2: Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Robert Merch back with us. He was with us almost seven years ago, and we'll call him Merch. He's the world's foremost collector, historian, and expert on Ouija and talking boards and also serves as the chairman of the board for the Talking Board Historical Society. His relationship with the Ouija began after watching the movie Witch Board in 1986, and a century after the Talking Board made its debut. Murch purchased his first antique Ouija board back in 1992, became quite obsessed with unraveling the mystery of its origins. Since then, he has devoted his career, his life, to researching the history of the Ouija board and its founders with merch also traveling the world to track down descendants of all those involved with the introduction of the mystifying oracle. Hey, Merch, welcome back. It's been a while.
3: How are you doing? It's great to be here. It's
1: great for you, too. Great for me. It's uh, great that you're still around after dealing with the Ouija board.
3: <laughs> I think I saw you, uh, last time I saw you, I think was in Boulder filming for Beyond uh, Reality Beyond,
1: A Beyond Belief okay. show.
3: Yeah, the on belief show exactly. And sorry about that. And uh, and I think that was the last time I saw you, and that was right after a back surgery. So it was good to see you then. It's good to be here now. Good. How
1: are you feeling?
3: I, better, you know. Backs are tough, but oh, you know, that's so am I.
1: Tough surgery, indeed. <laughs> well, take us back to the beginning of your relationship with the Ouija board. What was it that captured your attention?
3: Yeah, you know, I was um, I was raised in an Orthodox home. So um, a a Jewish Orthodox home, and anyone who's raised in Orthodoxy, all this mysticism, paranormal, God, all of this is kind of your reality. It's just baked into how you're raised, and it means it's basically not scary because you're exposed to this at a very young age. The the belief that other things exist other than what we see and hear, and so I I think I was just open to it, Um, and then I had kind of been around um seen the Ouija board a little bit, but it was really um, Kevin Tenney's 1986 film, Witchboard. I was 13 years old, and my grandmother, who was Orthodox Jew, she, she snuck me into the movie theater oh my God. to see this movie. I know, it's crazy, because she didn't have to. She was an adult. She probably could have just paid for me to get in, but I don't know. This was like a, a bonding moment. She snuck me in, and um, she liked... Uh, paranormal movies and supernatural stuff that my mom and parents didn't want me to watch and, and see. Um, of course, that's what grandparents are great for. So um, I saw this movie, and I really, it, it didn't take long before I noticed, even at 13, that the movie theater was very polarized, that, that this thing made of plastic and cardboard was scaring people or making people laugh. Like, why could be you know, how could this be so scary or how can you not see that this is scary? And um, that kind of stuck with me uh, leading up until I went to college and I went to University of New Hampshire, wonderful college, and uh, I was in a quad with uh, three other roommates and they wanted to go to a fraternity. And I knew that if I went to a fraternity, I wouldn't finish college. I wouldn't graduate. So that was a bad, uh, that would be a bad decision for me. So I decided to stay um, in the school part and help them, and then I could go to the parties. And uh, one of the things they needed for their rushing for the fraternity was an old Ouija board. It was a treasure hunt. Yeah. And uh, you know, any New Englander uh, who's uh, you know spent uh, who's grown up in New England, basically, you go to uh, flea markets and yard sales, and you know, this is what you do: you go antiquing on the weekend. So I-, I knew I'd seen them. And I, I, you know, came home for the weekend to Boston and hit the, all the antique stores and flea markets and yard sales and picked a bunch up. And when they returned them to me, there were 10, and they were all different. And I hmm. just thought, wait a minute, isn't there only one Ouija board? Isn't that like the only thing that I'd ever heard of It's just a Ouija board? Sure. Yeah, there were all these different makers and and manufacturers and names and so i went to um you'll know what i'm talking about hopefully your listeners do too but i went to a physical building called a library where there were real books inside and i remember those you, you, yeah i remember they were fun <laughs> and, and i looked up the ouija board i wanted to know who was behind it and you know where did it come from and Every encyclopedia, whether it was Funk and Wagnalls, um, it didn't matter. They they all said that the Ouija board came from someplace different. And I thought, wait a minute, how can something that everyone knows what it is when you say it, most people have a story, we don't know where it comes from? And that really sent me off into this kind of lifelong obsession um, and possession of the Ouija board to really figure out its roots and, and. everything about it, what people believe, what's fact, where to it come from, who were the people involved, and really just kind of trying to dig that up. And, and in the process of that, it, uh, it caused us to form the Talking Board Historical Society, a nonprofit um, in 2014 that's dedicated to preserving this history so it doesn't get lost again.
1: How far back, Mark Merch, were you able to track the origin
3: of the Ouija board? Well, Ouija is, is interesting because, uh, you know, Ouija is a trademark that's been in continuous use since 1890. Ouija is a talking board that it, that's the class of these games. So talking boards existed before uh, Ouija or Ouija, it's just the most popular. So 1890 is for uh, Ouija. If we go back in talking boards, there's a couple of markers. And 1886 uh, is another marker. That's when the use of these that were happening in the spiritualist communities all over America um, basically got picked up by a story uh, in the Associated Press and, and reprinted everywhere, in London, in Boston, in Sydney. And all of these these stories were basically telling people how to make the board, What were they? How to make them? And, you know... What to do with them? What were they used for? If we go back a little further, the 1870s are where we see devices or spirit communication devices that resemble um, the talking board, but not exactly the way we see it today with a a planchette, the movable piece on uh, a board that has letters, numbers, and words. And um, if we go back even further, really, they were close. If we say that um, 1848 was the birth of modern spiritualism in America, then the Fox sisters had it real close because they were investigating this haunt that was happening inside their house. They were hearing these knocks and they were responding. So they felt that there was an intelligent response, like one knock, yes, two knocks, no. And these girls felt like they were getting answers. And so really quickly, they realized that saying one knock is A, two knock is B, three knock is C, this is long when you have 26 letters, and then your numbers. So um, they really quickly started putting uh, alphabet cards out in numbers mm. and words and using their finger or a pencil and pointing to uh, the letters or numbers or words. And if there was a knock... That was the correct letter, word, or number spelling out there. So they were close, but then all of these other wonderful, amazing spirit communication devices came about, and it really obscured the talking board. And uh, it really kind of comes back as the planchette, which was a separate uh, spirit communication device, really merges. that, that Instead of people using a planchette, to place their hand on and ask the spirits what they want. A planchette would spell it out by using a pencil as one of the legs, pointing it out and spelling it. So that would then become the pointer in a talking board. And when that happened, it was like magic.
1: Birch, what moves the planchette?
3: (laughs) That's a great question. And I actually think the answer depends on who's playing and what's really going on around the room, what the history is, uh, kind of even what's going on in the days of those people. There's basically three ways that most people believe uh, is happening when you sit down at the Ouija port. And the first is what um, scientists have been calling uh, an automatic response for a long time, automatism. And um, basically it's the belief that these uh, small movements in your hands and the fact that you want the board to work cause you to cause this trick in your head that, that you don't know you're answering it, you're pushing it. So you ask a question because you want to. Right. You can't even moment. feel
1: that you're moving it.
3: Exactly. You swear you can't move it. You, you would swear on a Bible you are not moving it. And yet scientists can show that sometimes you are.
1: And you would probably pass a lie detector test if they asked if you were moving it, because you really don't know. It's a reflex, exactly. isn't it?
3: It's Exactly. Um, and people, you know, who, who who you can't, unless you've done it, you don't understand it, right? Because most people say, wait a minute, if I'm moving, I would know it. But it's so slight, and it's so small, and you're paying such close attention that when you sit down at the Ouija board and you place your fingertips on the planchette time slows down everything gets quiet everyone's focused on it you can hear that the movement of the felt feet on the planchette and you know you can feel it moving and all of that really takes your focus away from you might be doing it yourself and not to mention you know your friend might be pushing it just to be a jerk right someone could be doing it just to have fun with you absolutely that,
1: that's, that's that's you, you can you can't rule that out
3: all right it depends on the friends you have. Um, I know the friends I have. Some would push it. <laughs> so, um, But then we have another thing, that, that there are psychics who believe that there's a form of telepathy that's going on, that um, you're starting to read each other's minds, and that's how you're getting answers that you might, how would you know that about me if you're a stranger? Um, and then we have what spiritualists were talking about back in the 1800s and people have been talking about throughout time. What if, when you sit at a spirit communication device like the Ouija board and you ask if anyone's there and you part the veil? What happens if, when you use the board, a portal is opened up and you're allowed to communicate with something not physically in the room the way we see everyone else? Which I
1: believe so, happens. I think that's a good possibility.
3: I think anything's possible because we're dealing with humans. And, and when we deal with the human mind and the brain, I think the only thing I always like to point out is there's nothing inherently mystical um, about cardboard and plastic. The reason the Ouija board is so special is because we give it power. We believe that when something goes wrong, it's the Ouija board's fault.
1: Can it be dangerous, Merch? I,
3: I think the Ouija board can be dangerous if people don't pay attention. And, and that one of the big things is, if they don't, um, you know, play with it in a way that's going to get them in trouble. You know, first of all, what is it you're trying to accomplish, right? Why are you sitting down at the Ouija board? And and making sure you ask questions that you're reasonably trying to get. You know, writing down your questions ahead of time, right? Coming up with ten questions that you might want to use if you sit down and play the Ouija board, and then maybe playing it with. Say four people or more because one, it works faster when you first start, and two, it's a little more fun. And so, the more people you have, the quicker it will work. Until the more you sit at it, happens, and then also putting in place some things for you that make you feel better. Because again, this is about belief. If you believe you're going to open um, up a portal and cross the veil, you are. That's what you're gonna. What's going to happen? That's going to be your experience. And so, if if those things make you nervous or if you've had bad experiences, some people pray, some people imagine a white light, some people follow certain rules or we that make them feel better. It's a really interesting thing because a lot can happen depending on how you approach the board.
1: Can some people, Merch, get reckless with the board?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, part of the problem and and... and I work on movies and TV shows, so I might be part of the problem as well. But one of the things we often depict in movies going, you know, all the way back to, say, The Exorcist in 1973 is we often show young people playing the Ouija board, kind of not knowing what they're doing, get in trouble, play the Ouija board by itself. You know, another Ouija station that people believe um, and then get into trouble and they get reckless because, you know, to them, it's a game. Isn't,
1: don't they say the little boy from The Exorcist, the original kid from Baltimore, was playing mm -hmm. with a Ouija board when all this mess happened in his life?
3: They say that after the fact, much later, that it's not actually part of the story for some time, and there's no actual proof or diary references um, or or any records of anyone saying that he played with a Ouija
1: board. Makes a better story,
3: though, doesn't it? (laughs) It does, and it's it's also likely. I mean, it's it's in the 1940s. You know, it, it's the Ouija board is a huge boom. It's really popular around wartime, and so the fact that he might have been playing with his aunt um, with the Ouija board, it's entirely possible. But like you said, it makes a better story, and stories have power and. If people who've seen The Exorcist, the movie, and then who also have delved into it deeper and, and really gotten into the, the true story of The Exorcist, we know that it's scary. And if someone tells you that playing with the Ouija board alone could cause you to be possessed by a demon, that's pretty powerful. You know, you're huge. planting the seed of something really bad that could happen. And so, again, belief, if you've opened the door to that, You know, that's where things can get reckless. And and that's why I I say if you're going to sit down at it, you really think about what it is you're doing. Why are you using it? Have you lost someone? Are you just interested in the unknown and the other side? You know, what is it you're trying to accomplish? Really coming up with a plan.
2: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for
0: more.
2: Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.